if you're able to, just to stand for a moment longer, I'd love to read our scripture together today. Uh, we've been in Joshua, and this morning we're going to be in Joshua chapter 9, which is really a fascinating uh, interaction. A lot of times when we talk about heroes of the Bible, we talk about all the things they do right. Hey, look how amazing they are. If you're like me, you sit back, you're like, uh, I'm not that guy. But one of the things I love about scripture is it also shows where they mess up. And Joshua 9 is one of those moments that I'd love to read it to us and dive in. It says in Joshua 9 verse 1, it says, Now all the kings that were west of the Jordan River heard about what happened. So they know that Joshua has been charged to come into the land and drive out the enemy. And so these kings, these enemies heard about it. And then it lists them. It says, these were the kings of the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites who lived in the hill country in the western foothills and along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea as far as the north as the Lebanon mountains. And it says, these kings combined their armies to fight as one against Joshua and Israel. So some of the people, some of the enemies like, hey, let's join together. Let's fight them. Maybe together we can beat them. Then in verse three, it says, but when the people of Gideon, or Gibeon, heard that Joshua had done in Jericho and Ai, they resorted, instead of binding together, it says they resorted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old and patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes. And the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. And when they had arrived at the camp of Israel at Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a far distance and we ask you to make a peace treaty with us. Verse 12, it says, this bread was hot when we took it from the ovens, when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins, they were new when we had filled them, but now they are old and split open. And our clothing and our sandals are worn from a very long journey. Now look at verse 14. So the Israelites examined their food, but they did not consult the Lord. Then Joshua made a peace treaty with them and guaranteed their safety, and the leaders of the community ratified their agreement with the binding oath. Heavenly Father, thank you for the power of this moment. And Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you'd speak to us now. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 You may be seated. In just a few minutes, we're going to shift into a time of prayer. And this week, many of our team and Many of our friends have been just walking through some really tough things. There's been a lot of tears shed and a lot of questions asked. And so, man, we just want to take a moment in a few minutes to pray over folks. And so if you need prayer this morning in a few minutes, I'm just going to invite you to come here, whether you stand at the front or kneel at the, the prayer uh, bench there, but just as a place where then those that are able to pray over you. One of the most powerful things we can do as a church is pray. And so if you could use prayer today or you wanna pray today, I invite you in a few minutes to be part of that. But as we've been part of the book of Joshua, let me ask you a question. How many of you have had one of those, oh no, what have I done moments? Have you ever had that? Anybody wanna share on the open mic this morning? Nobody wakes up thinking, hey, this would be a great day to blow my life up. But we've all done that, haven't we? And if you haven't done it yet, it's going to happen at some moment in our life. I mean, I, I, I was thinking this week about what are examples of where I regretted a decision I made. And I've got too many to share, right? I've got so many to share about. I've got silly ones. I've got a, a, a dumb one when I was in 
college. Uh, I grew up right outside of Memphis, and uh, Memphis doesn't get a lot of snow, but we do get a lot of ice in the area. And so I remember one holiday season, we, our, our roads were covered in ice, but I was tired of being in the house. I thought it'd be a great idea to get out on the road, uh, even though I've never lived in a place that has lots of snow or ice. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And so I'm going to go pick up my buddy. We're going to go to the gym and just get out of the house. And the problem was uh, his driveway was this giant hill. So I'm trying to figure out how do you go up a giant ice hill? And my idea was, well, you just need more momentum. And so there's a hill I would come down, then there's a stop sign, and then on the other side of the stop sign, his driveway, and there's at the stop sign, there's a back road in our neighborhood, but nobody's ever on that road. So in my mind, the more momentum means you're going to get up the hill. What I didn't realize is while most people weren't out on the road, that UPS truck that I ended up hitting was on the road. Two plus thousand dollars later, I was like, I am an idiot. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. I don't know if you've ever done. Years ago, I, I was part of an investment. And I thought, man, this sounds good. Like this guy sounds like he's got this great plan. It's going to be amazing and all these things. And it turned out just to be a Ponzi scheme. And I was like, what have I done? Well, all of us are going to have moments like that. All of us, whether it's relationally or work-based or uh, contracts that you end up in, a job change that you do, all of us have these moments. And most of the time, maybe not all the time, but most of the time they happen because we did not stop long enough and ask God, God, do I have your permission? And so what I want to do in just rapid fire way is I want to show us the dangers of not getting permission that come right out of Joshua chapter nine. So if you're a note taker, I'd love for you to jot these down. I believe these are in the app as well. So if you want to follow along, but the first danger is number one, anytime we rush ahead, anytime we don't ask permission, anytime we try to make something happen ourselves, Joshua does this. Number one, we will get royally scammed. We'll get scammed. So what happens is these people that are technically the enemy, these people that Joshua technically was supposed to defeat, they heard about, hey, Joshua's coming. They heard about Jericho. Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. They heard about Ai. They heard about uh, how God turned it around and they had this great victory. And so uh, what we find is that there were some kings, enemy kings that lived in the land that said, hey, we're going to bind together and try to fight Joshua. These people called the Gibeonites have a different plan. Their different plan is if we deceive Joshua, if we trick him and say, we don't live here, we're actually from far away. We've been traveling a long way. If, if we convince them we don't actually live here, then there's no reason for him to push us out. And I don't blame them. I mean, if you're living in the land and you're the enemy and Joshua's coming, I don't necessarily blame them. But here's what happens. It says in uh, Verse three, when the people of Gibeon heard that Joshua had done to, to Jericho and Ai, verse four, they resulted to deception to save themselves. They sent ambassadors to Joshua, loading their donkeys with weathered saddlebags and old and patched wineskins. They put on worn out patched sandals and ragged clothes and the bread they took with them was dry and moldy. And when they arrived at the camp of Gilgal, they told Joshua and the men of Israel, we have come from a distant land to ask you to make a peace treaty with us. So they're totally lying. And they're, they're totally saying, Joshua, you don't need to kill us. Joshua, we're from a different land. And so instead, make peace with us. Make a binding agreement with us. And what they are literally doing is they are deceiving Joshua. They're deceiving the leaders. And in that moment, they're using deception to work out their own best interest. And that will not last. 
One of the dangers of us rushing ahead is that if we're not careful, we'll get to the other side of a decision. We'll get to the other side of a new job. We'll get to the other side of a new relationship. If we're not careful, we'll get to the other side of some commitment that we've made and we will realize that things were not as they seem. We were deceived. That's why we need to slow down. Right? Joshua knew better. Joshua knew, hey, I'm supposed to hear from God. Joshua knew better. He knew what God had called them to do. Joshua should have known better. They had ways of hearing from God, but they rushed ahead. They rushed ahead. And number one, they're royally scammed. Number two, anytime we don't wait for permission, we end up relying on our own senses. What I mean by that is we end up relying on our own intellect, what we can see, what we can feel. And so what happens for Joshua is these enemies, the Gibeonites, put on basically show and tell for Joshua. I mean, they're bright. They know, hey, we've got to convince Joshua that we're not from here. And so the way that they convince them that they're not from here is, one, they don't mention Jericho or AI because they, they knew that news doesn't travel that fast. There's no Twitter. There's no TikTok. There's no Facebook. There's no instant message, right? There, there, there's none of that stuff. And so if they mention Jericho and AI, then Joshua will know that we're from this area. So they only mention Egypt. Remember Egypt? And we heard about how God delivered y'all from Egypt. And then look at verse five. It says, they put on worn out and patched sandals. They put on ragged clothes and the bread they took with them was dry and what? Reminds me of my college days. And then look down at verse 12. This is them speaking to Joshua. This bread was hot from the ovens when we left our homes. But now, as you can see, it's dry and moldy. These wineskins, they were new when we filled them, but now they're old and they're split open. And our clothing and our sandals are worn out from a very long journey. They're saying, hey, just look at the evidence. And Joshua does. He's like, yeah, your sandals are falling apart. Yeah, the wineskins, they're, they're breaking yeah, that bread's kind of nasty. And Joshua ends up, I think, overestimating his ability to tell what's going on. Maybe he got a little bit arrogant because of Jericho and Ai. Somewhere along the way, he's like, yeah, 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 I can see this makes total sense. Your sandals are old, your bread is moldy, your wineskins are falling apart, and he makes a bad decision because he trusted his own senses. And man, in our church, there's so many of us uh, that have to face decisions. And man, you're bright and you've got ability. When I think about all the talents and giftings in this room and watch it online, man, it's unbelievable. But there's got to be a moment that we realize that we don't know it all. There's got to be a moment that we realize that everything's not always as it appears. There's got to be a moment that we realize, man, I, I'm able to se- deceive myself. I'm, I'm able to uh, have misplaced confidence. I'm able to be overconfident in my ability. And even if you're sincere, you can be sincerely wrong. I love our student ministry. I really do. Uh, before I, I moved to Sugar Hill, my my job was to travel and speak at youth camps all summer long. And so I love what God does in those moments. But I got to be honest with you, sometimes when students would come talk to me at camp, 
they would make decisions based on what they would see. Usually at camp, there'd be a night where some girl would come up and she'd have one of those giant Bibles. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big, heavy Bible. And she'd have bookmarks in every page. And, and when she'd open it, she'd have drawn scripture doodles in it and all this. And it's a big study Bible. She's like, I love Jesus. All the sermons have been great. The worship has been unbelievable. I want to go on missions. And then at some point, this a uh, guy would walk up and she'd be like, and I want you to meet my boyfriend, the Antichrist. And I, um, maybe she didn't say those words, but he like takes off his ball cap. He's got 666 on his forehead or something. You know what I'm saying? And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to date him and make out with them so he can come to Jesus. Or even in young adult world and adult world, sometimes people are like, man, am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to get married? Am I ever going to find the one, the one, the one, the one? Are they the one? Are they the one? And then they end up marrying Lucy. And on the other side of the wedding day, they find out that it's actually short for Lucifer. And they have just, (laughs) and on the surface, it made sense. Well, they're cute or they're, you know, all these things. And I'm not, I'm just saying when we're making decisions, If we don't stop, we are susceptible to getting it wrong. We can get scammed. We can rely on our senses. Number three, we end up rejecting the check of the Spirit. What the Bible teaches is that the moment of salvation, the presence of God steps out of heaven and steps into our heart. And the Holy Spirit does a lot of things, but two things for sure is he guides us through life and he guards us from danger. Right? He, 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 those inner promptings. And so here's what happens for Joshua. It says in chapter 9, verse 7, the Israelites replied to the Hivites, the Gibeonites, and said, how do we know that you don't live nearby? It's almost like there's this check in their spirit. How do we know that you're not lying? How do we know that you don't actually live here? How do we know that you're not actually the enemy? How, how do you know? For if you do live here, look at the end of verse 7, we cannot make a treaty with you. It's almost like there's this warning, but how do we know? How do we know? How do we know? Joshua, how do we know before we make this agreement? How do we know? And Joshua keeps moving forward without paying attention. And there's been those moments in my life where I felt some sort of prompting to either do something or not do something. And every single time I haven't listened, it's blown up. Does that make sense? I remember when I was a kid, we had an old uh, Ford LTD station wagon. Do you all remember those? Uh, they would seat about 70, so a lot of us could go to lunch afterwards in, in it. And, uh, you know, in the 80s, there weren't airbags in the Ford LTD station wagon. So when you rode around, if you ever got to sit in the front seat, your parents are like, just hold on or put a brick in your lap. Or, I don't know. I guess there were seat belts. But anyway, so uh, anytime I, on Saturdays, we'd run errands. I'd run errands with my mom. We'd go to the post office, the store, or whatever. And anytime somebody would pull out in front of us or anytime somebody would slam on your brakes, you know what my mom would do? That's like built into everybody's DNA. It's like, right? So we'd be driving along, somebody would pull out and mom would go, bam. And I'm like, I didn't go through the windshield, but my chest has now caved in. Thank you very much. It's like the first passenger side airbag, right? And what was mom's goal? Her goal was to guard me. Her goal was to protect me. Her goal wasn't to hurt me, but to save me from danger. And I think in some ways, that's the way the Holy Spirit works in our life. There's moments in our life where we just start taking risk and there's moments where we start start taking steps and there's moments where, where we get to some point and the Holy Spirit swings his arm out in front of us and says, stop right there. 
You know what that feels like. You've probably had that moment where it's like, stop right there. You've gone far enough. But somebody that's rushing ahead pushes his arm out of the way and makes excuses. It's dangerous. Why? We'll get royally scammed. Number two, we'll rely on our senses. Number three, we reject the check of the Spirit. And number four, it results in constant struggle. It becomes a high-maintenance situation. What ends up happening is three days later after Joshua's tricked, he finds out that it was a trick. Three days later, he learns they don't live in a far country. They live 25 miles away. Three days later, he finds out he's been duped. And when the other enemy, remember those other five kings that were binding together to say, hey, we're going to go fight Joshua? Those five kings heard that the Gibeonites had aligned themselves with Joshua. So now these five kings have plans to attack Gibeonites. And so now into chapter 10, the people that Joshua was supposed to get rid of are the very people that because of his covenant, he has to help them. In fact, in chapter 10, Joshua has to march all night with his armies because of his bad decision. He ends up fighting for the very people that he was never supposed to fight for. And sometimes that's how our lives are. Sometimes there's struggle in our life and we actually got it the good old fashioned way. We earned it ourselves. But the good news is this, that God's patient. God's patient. In fact, in one of the weeks ahead, we may actually come back to chapter 10 because what happens in chapter 10 is that Joshua marches all night. He fights those enemy kings. It looks like he's going to run out of time and they're not going to be able to finish the battle. And God performs one of the greatest miracles in all of scripture just to help Joshua and the nation of Israel to finish what he called them to do. In the middle of that moment, because Joshua stayed true to his covenant, even though it was a bad decision, he realized one bad decision after another one doesn't make two wrongs, don't make a right. And so he remained true to the covenant. He stepped up and he defended them. And in one night, God got rid of the five other kingdoms. It was amazing. It was amazing. And there's no way I could stand here and tell you all the ways we've seen God do that here. Every single week here at Sugar Hill Church, there are stories after stories after stories of people that said, man, I blew it, man, I messed up, man, I can't believe I did that. But on the other side of bringing it to God, God was able to reach into some dark circumstance and pull out something amazing. And I guess the principle of the day is this, that when we trust what man can do, we get what man can do, we get man results. But when we trust God, we get what only God can do. So my question is, how do you keep from rushing ahead? My question is, how do you make sure you don't do something without permission? Two big ideas. One is scripture and the second one is prayer. I would say to every single one of us, especially if you're facing some life altering decision, spend time in scripture, spend time in prayer. And what I mean by spending time in scripture is I firmly believe that we're better when we try to spend every single day reading some part of scripture. 
Do I miss days? Absolutely. There's days that I miss, but I believe, man, we ought to be in Scripture every single day. What I would encourage you to do is don't just randomly open Scripture to some page and say, God, what do you have for me today? I would say find some sort of plan, whether you use the YouVersion Bible app or you pick a book of the Bible or a section of the Bible. I would encourage you to read through the Bible systematically because God starts bringing things off the page. I'd also say that as you read, tune out the distractions. Read with sensitivity. In other words, uh, if I really believe that God wrote his word, then I want to hear from him. I don't want a bunch of pop-ups and text messages and, you know, silly cat videos on YouTube. You know what I'm saying? Don't get to stay focused. And the third piece is I would say bring some sense of um, intentionality to it. It's a way of saying to read specifically to say, what is that thing that you're asking God for? And bring it to scripture. And I would say, man, the more that we can spend time in Scripture and help rewire the way that we think and process, and then, of course, bring those things to God in prayer. He's a heavenly Father that loves you. He's a heavenly Father that cares about you. His rule to the nation of Israel wasn't to hurt them, but to help them to become who God created them to be. So what I'd love to do this morning is, I, I know I, I sped through that because I... I I don't think anybody comes to church saying, man, I would love to hear a sermon about when I blow it. Awesome. But we all do it. So the question is not, can we do it? Yeah, we can. The question is, what do we do in response? And what we want to do is whether you feel like you've blown it this week or not, there's many of us that have a lot on our hearts today that we just need prayer. So if you don't mind, would you bow your heads for a moment very quietly? Would you just stand to your feet as we begin to pray? And I, I, I told you a few minutes ago, but one of the most powerful things that we can do as a church is to pray and to pray for one another. And so even now, all across this room, if you desire prayer, if you need prayer, or you just want to take time and pray, whether you've got a big decision in front of you or not, whether you feel like this message was for you or not, you know that you need God's direction, you need God's voice in your life. I would just invite you as we begin to pray all across this room, just start making your way down to the front. You can simply just stand across the front facing the stage. You could kneel at the altar if you want to do that. But if there's anybody in the house this morning that would say, hey, I just, I just want to be prayed for. I want to be prayed with. I want to bring something to God. Amen. Amen. Anybody else, as we begin to pray, I just invite you to come. I invite you to come all across the room, in the back, in the middle of the rows. You can just spread out across the front here. Or if you want to kneel, you can kneel. One of the things I do, you don't have to, but one of the things I've found helpful when I'm in this moment is just to hold my hands, just palms facing up in front of me, almost as a way of God, God, I'm in this posture that I wanna receive. God, I'm in this posture I wanna hear. God, I'm in this posture of I'm open and available. Yeah, as these come, I invite you to come. If you're watching online, you can even raise your hand and say, hey, everybody else watching with me, would you pray? Then as, as these have come, if you're one of our small group leaders, one of our leadership team, or just somebody that loves, loves to pray for people and with people, if you don't mind, would you just start making your way up here as well? Maybe you wanna just stand near somebody and to pray over them, or maybe uh, there's somebody you know, you just feel comfortable to put a hand on their shoulder and say, hey, can I pray for you? Um, just whatever is comfortable to you and to the person is awesome. So I just want to invite those that enjoy praying, would love to pray. It'd be powerful. If we've got any other leaders, if we've got some volunteers, um, I love it. 
If you want to just come and just stand near somebody, put a hand on the shoulder. So we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to you because we know that we need you. We thank you that you invite us to pray. We thank you that when things feel heavy and we feel alone, that we know who we can turn to. And Father, when, when a life gets messy, we know that you're with us. I just encourage you as you pray, I'll pray out loud, but in your head and your heart, just maybe there's been years of silence. Maybe you'd break your silence with your heavenly father and just tell him what's on your heart, what that need is. In a similar way that Joshua turned back to God, maybe it's to say, God, would you step into my situation? God, would you step into my circumstance? there's never been a moment that you've truly put your faith and your trust in Jesus, I would encourage you, maybe that's where you start today to say, dear Jesus, I know that I need you. I know that my sin separates me from you, but I know that you died on the cross for my sins and I believe you're alive today. And as best as I know how, I ask you to step out of heaven and into my heart and save me. you to stay in a prayerful moment and if you're if you've come for prayer I encourage you to to tell your heavenly father what's on your heart if you've come to pray with folks I would encourage you to just make your way through the people and just pray over them and say God you know what's going on God would you show up in a powerful way then in a moment Pastor Zach's gonna gonna sing over us and sing with us and in a few moments when, the, when our gathering wraps up, just because a service ends doesn't mean what God's doing ends. And so if you need additional prayer or you wanna talk with somebody, uh, I wanna encourage you to stay afterwards. Or if you want to, you can even drop us a note at hello at sugarhillchurch.com. And we'd love to set up a meeting with you to pray for you and to walk with you and to answer any questions you may have. Heavenly Father, we come to you because we know that you're our source, you're our provider. We know that you love us and you say that you'll never leave us or forsake us. And that even when we don't know why, we know that we can trust you. That's not about what you do, but it's about who you are. Help us to lean into you and find our strength in you.
something powerful about that simple confession that no matter how bright we are no matter how much experience we have to be reminded that every single day we need him we need him father that's our prayer today that's our confession that in whatever area of life that we're tempted to rush ahead whatever area of life we're tempted to try to handle ourselves our way out of our own ability without your help God, we rest and know that we truly do need you. And Father, you know each of these situations and you know each of these hearts. And so Father, I pray what you would do what only you could do and bring comfort and healing and answers to these areas. Thank you for the reminder that you are always good. And we are always loved. We give this to you in the strong and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you're still here praying, you're welcome to do that as well. Isn't it good to be in a safe place where we can bring and cast our cares upon the Lord? And, and we're in this together. We love you guys. I do want to say one quick note. Uh, Pastor Chuck, many of you may know, has uh, he and Miss Jenny have been in Israel for the last little bit. And if, you don't, if you're not connected on social media, man, you're missing out on some incredible pictures. But he'll be back with us next Sunday to wrap up the Joshua series. And I'm telling you, he's fired up after being in the Holy Lands. And so uh, I wanna encourage you, if there was a Sunday to miss, it was this week. So you can't miss next week, all right? That's all I'm saying. So please invite a friend and, and come. Your pastor loves you and I know that he he can't wait to be back with us. And so God bless you. Have an incredible rest of your day and know that God loves you. We love you guys. Have a great day.